Welcome to River City 360, views and news from around Winnipeg. My name is Nolan Becknell. With me, as always, is my co-host, Robert Zirk. On today's show, we're continuing our coverage of Winnipeg's Vital Signs 2017. And this week, we're focusing on the category of community pride. What makes people proud to be Winnipeggers? What do people love about our city? Up first, we'll speak with Josh Ruth of Art City, a wonderful organization that recently inspired the West Broadway community to rally around it in an impressive and important show of community support. Then we'll speak with Carol Plain Hosegood to learn more about the Happy Monkey Club, a group that she created to promote wellness and positivity among Winnipeg women. We'll also talk to Ariel Polvarosa, maintenance division leader from Building Urban Industries for Local Development Incorporated, also known as BUILD. We'll talk about the social enterprise and strengthening communities. Then we'll also speak with Reg Black, director with the Brokenhead River Community Foundation, which is based in Beausajour. They're one of the more than 50 communities gearing up for the Endow Manitoba 24-hour giving challenge on Saturday, November 18th, and we'll learn more about their fundraiser that's being held on the day of the challenge. We've got all this, some great tunes, and much, much more on today's episode of River City 360. Hello and welcome to River City 360, Nolan Bicknell and Robert Zirk here with you today. Robert, how's your, how's your afternoon treating you? It's been a pretty good afternoon. It's pretty, it's been a pretty good week. Yeah. How about you? Uh, Aside from the um, bus troubles that I've been having lately, life's good. I had a couple buses just go straight past me uh, yesterday morning and you know, not a good feeling when you're going to be late for work and a bus full of people goes straight past you so yeah i've i've had that happen too not I, optimal but on the other side of the coin sometimes i've had a mad dash to the bus and uh, and the driver was courteous enough to uh, to stop for me so shout out to all the great drivers here in winnipeg transit that are doing their best on absolutely they don't get enough situations credit. for sure so today's show we're going to be talking about one of the winnipeg foundation's vital signs 2017 categories community pride uh, there's lots of stories to share and conversations that were uh, were slated to have today that really are going to showcase community pride here in winnipeg um but to kick things off, we'd like to hear from you. What are you proud of in your community or, or in your neighborhood? You can give us a call on our listener line. It's open 24-7. Call 204-944-9474 and leave a message. Tell us what are you proud of? What, what, do, you, what do you enjoy about your community? Any, even if you're not listening here in Winnipeg, even if you're in a rural, rural area, what makes you proud of living where you're from? Again, that number, 204-944-9474. We'll play some of the responses next week on the show. But yeah, I think people are typically, hopefully, proud of where they're from. And we want to really celebrate that because community pride is important. And uh, so give us a call. Absolutely. In the meantime, we have tons of great stories about Winnipeg and about taking pride in your community. So we're going to start things off with a very powerful story about Winnipeggers rallying around a West Broadway staple. Art City has been doing some wonderful work for almost 20 years now, helping kids grow and learn about the importance of artistic expression. And recently, they had a funding crisis that inspired the community to rally around them. So we're going to hear from Josh Ruth, Managing Director of Art City, right after our first musical break but before we get to uh before we get to that story we're talking about community pride today so how about marvin gay with pride and joy to start things off here on river city 360 you are my 
listening to River City 360. Nolan and Robert here with you today, and we're now joined in studio by Josh Ruth. He's the Managing Director at Art City here in Winnipeg. Josh, thank you very much for joining us today. My pleasure. I love CJNU. Hey, well, it's our pleasure to have you here. So we told our listeners a little bit about Art City before the break. Uh, You've been helping Winnipeg kids grow, evolve, and learn about sort of the transformative power of art for nearly two decades. I think 19 years you guys have been open. That's right. It'll be 20 years uh, in 2018 next year. Very cool. Well, happy early birthday. Um, For someone who hasn't heard of Art City or doesn't know what you do, give us a quick breakdown about, like, what would you say to that, the the breakdown of what Art City does? Sure. Well, if you can imagine a storefront space, uh, you walk in the door and you uh, immediately see people of all different ages, uh, all different backgrounds, all different walks of life, and they're all engaged in making art. Um, And when we talk about art at Art City, we're talking about art experiences, opportunities for creative self-expression, less sort of uh, what we call cookie cutter crafts, where people get the same thing at the end, um, and more about just giving the opportunity a safe place and encouraging environment for people to be able to discover their own creative voices. And Wanda Koop is our founder. She is a internationally renowned artist from Winnipeg who lived in the West Broadway neighborhood for more than 30 years. And her um, idea, her sort of philosophy behind Art City is not that we are trying to make the kids into artists necessarily. I say kids, but we really are an all ages center. Our, Our focus is on children and youth though. That's always been at the heart of our mandate. Um, and it's not that we're necessarily trying to turn the kids into artists, although if that happens, that's wonderful. Um, but we feel that if you can learn to think creatively, you can survive just about anything. And for a lot of our participants, uh, survival uh, is the first step toward thriving. Absolutely. So you mentioned a little bit about what 
you can inspire in kids other than just artistic expression, but like what, what are some of the other benefits that these children that you see from day one when they come in and they haven't picked up a paintbrush before to, you know, however long they stay with Art City, sometimes years at a time. And what do you see, uh, how, how does that progression work and what do you, how do you see that evolution happen? Well, any kind of community work is relationship-based. And so we work very hard to try to get to know each participant, to get to know the things that matter to them, not necessarily, you know, the intimate details of their lives, but uh, to get to know their, their sensibilities, their sensitivities, and, uh, and sort of bring out the best version of themselves that we can. Now, we're not, you know, counselors, we're not social workers. We do that through art. Art is really an end in itself, as we see it at Art City. As you mentioned, it has a transformative power, and we believe that that applies to individuals as well as communities. And um, it's, uh, it's great. I mean, we have a lot of laughs at Art City. And I think, by contrast, uh, a lot of the participants that come to our programs um, outside of our walls uh, experience a lot of uncertainty and uh, instability. And so, um, again, our focus is on the art, but we see so many natural byproducts of that kind of activity uh, for improving people's lives in a very tangible way. Right. Today's show is all about community pride. And one of the nicest stories that I've read in months, maybe years, is how the community rallied around Art City recently um, due to a delay in sort of annual, annual funding that Art City normally got. Uh, so you were in a bit of a financial crisis, but through this crowdfunding campaign, um, the community really rallied behind behind Art City and was able to save your programming for, for an for a amount of time. So tell me how this all came to be. Tell me about the community rallying behind Art City and how, and, and how that made you feel. It's incredible, really. Um, we saw, looking down the line, that we were headed for a serious cash flow crunch, um, one that could be potentially devastating to all of our operations. Now, we were waiting for some funding that was delayed, as you mentioned. And, um, you know, it was a sort of perfect storm. There were a couple of other things that, uh, that factored into that. And I'll spare you the details, but seeing it coming, we, um, we went on austerity mode and um, really scaled back all of the things that we normally do. Um, I mean, one of the things that we uh, feel is important is that the kids who come to our programs have access to professional grade materials. And we use a lot of recycled and donated uh, and repurposed materials, but we also um, we have a budget for uh, buying good art supplies uh, for the kids to use. So um, we just completely scaled back on everything and tried to do as little spending as possible. And then as the as the year went on and the funding uh, the payment wasn't coming, uh, then we had to make a decision that we've never made before, and that was to cut some of our outreach programming temporarily right. until we had the, the resources to be able to continue to do those. So that meant uh, shutting down programming at five sites in other neighborhoods around the city. Now, I should mention at this point that we do a lot of outreach programming, and that programming happens on a weekly basis. So these are in communities where there are groups or organizations working with youth, but they don't have an art program. And so they come to us and say, can we have you come once a week? and do an art program here. And, and those programs are tremendously successful. And, you know, um, in a lot of those neighborhoods, um, you know, the kids are just so underserved and mm -hmm. have such little uh, engagement with the community. So it's a really great opportunity for us to be able to come in and build relationships there as well. Mm -hmm. um, and unfortunately, then we had to suspend those programs in five sites. And uh, the 
kids were at those sites were really disappointed to hear that news, uh, you know, as were we all. For sure. And then uh, the check still wasn't coming, so we realized we had to reach out and ask for help, which is something that, you know, we, I'm always conscious that the messages that come out of Art City are life-affirming, and I don't want to transmit anxiety. Right. Um, but the, the situation was so, di- so was dire. so anxious. Yeah. yeah, it was so dire that we really had to just put, put a call out and say, listen, if you care about... If you care about kids, if you care about the youth of our city, and if you uh, think that uh, art programming uh, is a valuable thing for them, then we're asking for your help. And uh, there was a tremendous outpouring of support from all over. Yeah. And as well as people sending money, lots of well-wishing, lots of comments about how valuable they feel that uh, art programming is for young people. And... um, it really meant a lot to us, uh, and the funds that we raised were enough to surpass the goal that we set at $50,000, um, which, yeah, meant that we could start up programs in those five sites again. Mm-hmm. But also, you know, when you do this kind of work, sometimes you wonder if the wider community even knows or cares about what you're doing, and that's no longer a question for us at Art City. Yeah. We see that, that the city of Winnipeg and even beyond, um, places a tremendous value on our children and youth. As they should. And it, it's it's always, it, this has been a discussion for probably 20 years. Like when I was in school, the first thing that would get cut is art, drama, music, you know, things like that. So why, where is the disconnect between the people who are making the decisions and the community who clearly wants this? Like why, do, why is it such a struggle, do you think, working in this industry? Why is it such a struggle? when you clearly you, there's data to back it up there's clearly a community desire for it yet the people sort of who have the money don't necessarily think that it's worth putting it into like what why how why is there this disconnect do you think well that's a big question and it's a good question and one that i think about a lot we clearly don't place a high enough value on the arts in our society although there's a lot of there's a lot of talking about how mm-hmm. valuable they are and and how important they are for people to have access to. Um, as a society, we don't put our money where our, our mouths are, mm-hmm. uh, and I think that it's uh, I think it's a complex reason for that. But for one thing, I think art is often seen as a sort of leisure activity or a recreational activity. It's uh, when you know, obviously, I'm biased, but I would say that it should be far more central. Um, one of the things that we hear a lot from grown-ups <laughs> who come to Art City is, oh, I'm not creative at all. I, I, right. I'm not an artist. I could never, I can't even draw st- stick figures. Yeah. And we feel that every person has the capacity to create and should be given the opportunity and the tools to do so. And that uh, it's through uh, engagement with creative self-expression that we access empathy, that we access our intuition. Um, these are valuable things for being a good citizen in a society. Um, and if we placed more value on that and if we put more resources into that, I think it would drastically change the way our world looks. You know, we live in a time that uh, is rife with all kinds of uncertainties and people uh, are talking about, you know, all the, uh, all the things that are happening in the news and just how disheartening it is. And art provides this opportunity for barriers that otherwise threaten to divide us to come down. You know, in, in the Art City studio, we see uh, kids from all different nationalities. We have a huge uh, newcomer population. And uh, these are people coming from cultures that are vastly different than North American culture. 
um, different religions, uh, um, you name it. Uh, it's a very diverse group of people, and it just doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. You know, um, everybody is is there to uh, collaborate and have a good time. I mean, kids also have so much to teach us when it comes to that stuff. Yeah. And, um, you know, I mentioned the grownups who say, oh, I don't, I can't, I'm not creative at all. Yeah. Uh, you just never hear kids saying that. They come in and they say, what are we doing? And, you're, and you describe the activity and they just jump right in. Or they say, I don't want to do that. I want to do this other thing. But yeah, <laughs> either way, they're not inhibited or intimidated the way that the rest of us are. And this gets back to your question of why we don't place a higher value for the arts uh, in our society. And I think it's also, it's also on the artist community. Uh, we have we have long been seen as a sort of inaccessible, hoity-toity, right. pretentious um, group. And uh, I don't think that that's true, but I think that we could do a better job of engaging with the non-arts community um, to uh, make it more accessible yeah. to everyone. Um, and not just to people who uh, are low income, um, right. but people who don't think that uh, they have a they have a place mm-hmm. within the art sector or within uh, art venues. Make it a little more inclusive, for sure. Yeah. So what what is next for Art City, and where can people find out a little bit more information about the great organization? Um, well, we have a website, Art City Inc. That's I N C dot com, uh, and a Facebook page. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram as well, and all of all of those sites. Art City Inc. is always our handle, um, and yeah, our programming is up and running again. We do we do uh, drop in programming after school on weekdays, and then we also have special programs that run in tandem with those drop in workshops uh, in uh, film photography, digital photography, ceramics, uh, drawing, and uh, now we have a Saturday program uh, that's focused on indigenous art. And that's um, a really great opportunity for indigenous and non-indigenous people alike to uh, appreciate and engage with and make art that's uh, both traditional and contemporary indigenous art practices. Um, and uh, yeah, we have special events uh, often. We're going to do a big exhibition in, at the end of January at uh, La Maison des Artistes in uh, St. Boniface. And, um, you know, there's so much going on all the time and there's so many different workshops that we do. And uh, I would just encourage anyone that's interested in knowing more to check out our website. We've always got our programming calendar on there, too, if folks want to come down and uh, and try out some programming. Uh, We're always looking for good, dedicated volunteers. We have uh, almost double the amount of volunteers that we do paid staff. And we absolutely would not be able to do what we do without their dedicated service. Uh, So if that's something that interests people... um, there's information Perfect. about that on the website as well. Artcityinc.com for more information. There's something for everyone, even if you think that you don't have artistic ability. You do, because everyone does. Josh Ruth, thank you very much for talking to us today and sharing the story about Art City. We really appreciate your time. My pleasure. I would also like to just, if anyone listening uh, contributed to our Art City SOS campaign, we are endlessly grateful. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks, Nolan. And coming up after the break, Carol Plain Hosegood of the Happy Monkey Club joins us for another wonderful story of community pride. Their group was brought together to promote wellness and positivity here in our city. So we'll learn more about what they're doing uh, to promote those things. But before we get to that, we're going to hear Billy Joel with Uptown Girl right here on River City 360.
Welcome back to River City 360. Robert Zirk here with you today, and I am now joined via telephone by Carol Plain Hosegood of the Happy Monkey Club. Carol, thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, we're here to talk about the Happy Monkey Club, which is a very interesting group, and uh, we'll learn a little bit more about it and what the group does. So first of all, give our listeners sort of a sense of what is the Happy Monkey Club? How did it, uh, how did it begin? Well, the Happy Monkey Club is a club, really, or a group for women. Um, and it's all about focusing on that happy, healthy lifestyle, starting with community and, you know, finding like-minded people that are just looking to gather. I think the biggest challenge for women in a lot of situations is that we, we tend to be caregivers by nature, which is awesome, but we tend to really focus on caring for everyone else around us, from our children to our parents to our spouses to caring a lot deeply about our work. And sometimes we don't really take a look in the mirror and focus on ourselves and just sort of take that time out for you without any of those other distractions. So Happy Monkey Club sort of started with that, just wanting to be a place for women to come um, and gather based on various different healthy aspects. So What I have is what I call my five pillars of happiness, and that is to be positive, to eat healthy, to live active, to have fun, and to give back. So all of my events that I put on throughout the year will reflect one of those pillars, if not more. And as I say to people, you take what you like and you leave the rest. So if there's something that's appealing to you that we're doing, it's an event where we're just going out to have fun, come on out and join us. If you're on more of a a healthy journey and you want to learn more about healthy eating or mindfulness, then come on out to that event and let's have that conversation. Um, And it's just just kind of become a labor of love and I I just love doing what I do and it it just fits my life perfect. So I like to say I, I am the example of a happy monkey. I get sort of the sense that it's kind of like investing in yourself you're able to do a lot more. Absolutely. There's there's no doubt in my mind, you know, when, when you're better, we're, we're able to be better for everybody else. But it's also the understanding from, from the give back perspective is that what you get back when you give is so incredibly powerful. It's probably more so than the person receiving the gift you're giving. And that that can be as simple as holding the door open for somebody as you walk into the store. And when we step back and say, you know, in these busy lives, we lead everyone's in such a hurry, we don't slow down enough to even do those random acts of kindness and, and just simple things every single day that can make a world of difference. It's not rocket science. It's, it's really getting back to the basics of life is, is just respect and, and care not only for other people, but for yourself and say, you know what, sometimes it's okay to say no. No is a very magical word to be able to say, I just, I can't be there. I need time for me. I need to do this for me. And when we do that, it just makes a huge difference. All for everybody. You spoke to the pillars of happiness that kind of bring the group together. What are some of the events and the sort of initiatives that the group plans to further those connections around those key, those core ideas? 
We have some events that happen regularly. So once a week, we have a, a weekly circuit workout, and anyone can come and join us. You don't have to be a member of the club. You just show up, and, and we, we get together and, and um, move our bodies, basically. Uh, we have monthly walks where we just pick a trail in Winnipeg and you know sort of show off the, the beauty of Winnipeg. But also within that walk, we take time to be mindful. We take time to talk and share, and sometimes we take time to be a little more active than just walking and and we do something you know within that and the other thing is we always bring along a bag so we're picking up garbage along the way and we fit that one in we have monthly life lessons with uh, a local life coach here in Winnipeg and there's always a theme and people come to that we do fundraising we've got a wonderful group of ladies that participate in the dragon boat festival every year and raise money for Cancer Care Manitoba and the Children's Hospital. And then the other thing that I love with the Winnipeg Foundation is when I first started this, I'm a true believer in in endowment funds. I, I mean, raising money for today is great, but what can we do to leave a legacy? And the Winnipeg Foundation at the time had, and probably still do, but it it was a sharing circle that they were supportive of us to take some time to build up our endowment because we didn't have a big, big check to write to get it started right away. But just like um, anything in life, I believe it's the little things we do every single day that add up to make the biggest changes in our lives, whether that's health, happiness, but also when it comes to fundraising and, and raising money, we've slowly over the last five years, uh, you know, been raising money here and there through some of our events and um, built up our endowment fund with the foundation where we're able to give back a gift every single year to our charity of choice here in Winnipeg. And and our goal is to help women's groups that uh, need our support. And that's where, you know, we may run a fun event like a rumors comedy night to get everyone out, but the proceeds from that night will go to our endowment. So it's just trying to be creative with those events and get people engaged. And I've met some amazing, wonderful ladies here in Winnipeg as they've come out, which I never would have met before if I hadn't had, you know, started this whole process of Happy Monkey Club. That's wonderful. And it, and it must be so powerful, the idea that you can start with those that, you know, those small gifts in the very beginning eventually build up and build up. Because the Happy Monkey Club has been around, I think, six years? Six, seven years, yeah. Yeah. And sort of seeing that you know, it must be very gratifying seeing that progress year after year and seeing that build over time, especially. Absolutely. It's funny. We live in a society of instant gratification. We we want everything now. We want it quickly. And sometimes when you take enough time to just sit back and really reflect on what are the best things in your life, it's those things that have happened slowly over time. It wasn't that thing that happened just you know, bang in an hour or, or two hours or that day. It, it's something that built and came over time. And, and with the endowment fund, I love every year. It, it's, it's, I get the biggest smile on my face when I'm able to go in and make that gift. And I, I don't make a big deal. It kind of comes, they, I'm sure they just get notified in the mail or via phone call. And then I get a thank you. And it's just a good feeling. And it's just because a lot of people did a little bit. And that's, that's really powerful. I love the parallel that you drew between giving and making those small gifts that build up, but also to the the other elements of the Happy Monkey Club where your life doesn't really change overnight because you do these things, but 
those small things that you do eventually do build up over time and eventually really can make some profound changes in your life. Absolutely. I, I firmly believe that. And it's, uh, I like to talk about your puzzle of life and we all have our own puzzle. Like we all have little pieces within our puzzle that give us, you know, bring us joy, happiness, health, and all of those things. But we have to understand what are all those little pieces that complete that puzzle. And sometimes there's big gaps in it. And that's where people have to, I mean, stress is a huge, huge problem in our society today. Um, We're all, you know, under a lot of pressure to earn more, be more, be better. And I, sometimes we just need to step back and, and really appreciate like, when is enough enough? And, um, you know, living in Canada, we are extremely privileged um, with so much. And sometimes it's okay to just step back and go, wow, I got a pretty awesome life. And I live in a city that offers so much that I can do for free. Um, but we get so wrapped up in the marketing of the world, right? And okay, well, I got to be at this concert and this game and all of these things. You you don't, you don't have to be at all of those things. There's some really cool things you can do that really don't cost a lot of money, but we need to slow down enough to recognize that. If any of our listeners are interested in learning more about the Happy Monkey Club or any of the events that are going on, or, or maybe are interested in even joining the group, how can they get more information and get involved? Uh, the best way really is to go to our website. It's, it's Happy Monkey Club. Club.com. And most of the information is there. Membership is free. You just have to sign on. Really, you're giving me permission to communicate with you via email um, on our upcoming events. And there's other things that are shared, you know, weekly um, in an email that, you know, can be inspirational or motivational or just sort of maybe get you on the right track. We also have a Facebook page and follow us on Twitter. You know, all the basic things. Just Google Happy Monkey Club and uh, and it'll come up. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Carol. I appreciate you taking the time to talk to me about the Happy Monkey Club today. Well, thank you. Thanks, Robert. Coming up next, we have one of CBC Manitoba's Future 40, Ariel Polvorosa, about his organization, Build, that helps people find employment and helps to improve their lives. Hello and welcome back to River City 360. My name is Sunny Promolo and today on the show I have Ariel Palvarosa, Maintenance Division Leader from Building Urban Industries for Local Development Incorporated, which is also known as Build Inc. Welcome to the show, Ariel. Hey, how's it going? Thanks for having me. To our listeners who are unaware, what exactly is Build Inc? And could you tell us what social enterprise means? Um, Build Inc is... um a social enterprise. We started out as a nonprofit, so um, we're a training and education program for people who have multiple barriers to employment. Uh, one of the leading barrier being uh, incarceration, mm-hmm. and uh, what what it is is paid training and employment. So the duration of their period with us, we're looking at about six months. Um, for the first two months, they're getting soft skills and hard skills, so they're actually in a classroom for the morning, learning subjects like math, English, uh, uh, trades math uh, more specifically, uh, life skills, family planning, um, you know, financial skills. So we're helping them line up a bank account, getting everything out of the, getting all the uh, headway lined up so they could set themselves up for up and coming careers and hitting the workforce. 
I see here that you are Build Inc.'s longest standing employee, which is impressive. Uh, how long have you been with Build Inc.? What's your position and what keeps you motivated every day to do what you do? Um, I've been with Build Inc. since 2011. Uh, my position there as a maintenance division leader is uh, partially that of a project manager for the renovations division. Um, we basically use the workforce as a solution or training grounds for the people that come through our program. And I mean, really the thing that uh, keeps me uh, motivated is the uh, the fresh faces and all the energy that people bring into the program. These people that come in and, you know, they're they're at a standstill in their life and they want to change. And we're there to help implement that change. But for the most part, it's them bringing the uh, momentum in and, you know, it feeds me, to awesome. be honest. Awesome. You mentioned you work with individuals that face multiple employment barriers, um, along with incarceration. What are some of the other barriers that they face? Other barriers would be no job employment experience or no employment history at all. Um, others being no driver's license. Uh, a number of trainees we've had have had run-ins with the law and um, history with MPI for you know, a number of things like fines and infractions and have lost their licenses. So we actually uh, work with them and they do payment plans and they finance their, uh, the return of their own licenses. They appeal and get their licenses back. Sometimes individuals with these barriers are often disregarded. Is there something you can say about the development of these aspiring individuals and what it means to them when they are given the opportunity? Well, I mean, everybody comes to a realization at some point. A lot of the youth or the troubled youth, even the, you know, we, some of these are even adults. I mean, when, when they decide they want to change, they become the change that they want. Um, we're taking individuals who have a history, but we're adding something to it. We're giving them work experience. We're giving them a resume with six months of employment. Mm -hmm. So they've got something to offer. It's a foot in the door, really. Exactly. So what would you say to those organizations that would normally overlook people with barriers like these? Well, I mean, give it a shot. You, you never know who you're missing out on. Like, a lot of these individuals have so much talent and so much to bring. And, uh, you know, it's, it's really an, it's a resource that a lot of people aren't taking an advantage of. And, you know, you just got to try it out. Give these guys a shot. And why should businesses hire social enterprises like Build Inc.? Well, uh, Build Inc. actually has, uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of the term social return on investment, but this is a measurable, um, it's a measurable statistic. And uh, for instance, uh, I, could, I could break it down to a story. We've got one individual. She's a single mother, five boys. Uh, she came to us. She didn't have her children. In, they're in custody. Uh, of CFS and um, she didn't have a steady job. She came to us, we trained her. She she was able to clean up, kick any old habits she had and straighten, ho straighten out her life. She got herself um, a steady place of living, which is important because uh, a lot of indiv individuals who are transient have, they're all over the place. And I mean, work and self-development and career development isn't high on the priority list when when you're really worrying about where you're going to lay your head at night. And I mean, now she's got a fixed address. Since then, she's been able to get all five of her children 
back under her roof. Mm-hmm. So that's rewarding in itself. But I mean, the the burden that that's lifted off of the system is another. Uh, another reason being we're giving an option. We're giving an exit plan to those who might turn into that revolving door of incarceration back into society, back into incarceration. When you develop, when you give them an option and a way out, you're increasing their chances of not being reincarcerated or reoffending. It's my understanding that you were recently nominated and awarded the honor as one of CBC's Manitoba's Future 40. First off, congratulations. Thank you. Thanks. Could you tell us what Future 40 is? Uh, CBC has a, I believe it used to be called 40 Under 40, but now they they may have relabeled it to Future 40. It's, um, it's an award that goes out to 40 individuals who are, um, I guess, elected to be, you know, the future's leaders or people that are changing uh, the future of where we live. So every province in Canada ha- has their own uh, 40 selected, and I was nominated and I was chosen. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, could you tell me how you felt when you found out and uh, how it all came about? Oh, I was flattered. I guess it came down to uh, somebody I work with. He was, uh, he, he was uh, taking pictures of me as I was driving and writing it up on the phone before we got to the destination. He presses send and lets me know <laughs> that he's uh, nominated me. And he was, he was joking around. He's like, yeah, you're going to win. You're going to win. And I was like, well, sure, you know, whatever. We've got nothing to lose. But sure enough, you know, I got chosen. That's awesome. It's a really humbling experience. <laughs> According to the Winnipeg Foundation's Vital Signs Project, 64% of Winnipeggers feel that they have the opportunity to make a difference in their community. What would you tell those wanting to do just that? Well, there's so many ways to go out there and make a difference. There's a lot of, a lot of uh, nonprofits that are out there. There are a lot of volunteer organizations. And, you know, we live in a place where we've got so many means to help so many people. So, I mean, you know, you get out there and you do it and it feels good and you'll, you'll see why it's so easy to do it. Mm-hmm. I'd like to thank Ariel Pavroso and Build for coming to speak with us today on River City 360. The work that Build is doing to empower our community, educate, and create pride is nothing short of amazing. Utilizing the power of our labor market to create training and employment opportunities strengthens our workforce and, more importantly, builds an individual's confidence and skills. Before I let you go, Ariel, uh, where could people go to gain more information about Build? Uh, you can come to our website, buildinc.ca, that's B-U-I-L-D-I-N-C dot C-A. Or you could just come down to the office, meet us in person. That's, uh, that's 765 Main Street, office number 200. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks, Sonny. Up next, Reg Black, the director of the Broken Head River Community Foundation out of Beaujolais, Manitoba. He's going to join us via telephone to tell us about the Endow Manitoba 24-hour giving challenge. But first, here's Lionel Hampton with Jivin' with Jarvis right here on RC360.
Welcome back to River City 360. Robert Zirk here with you today. I'm joined via telephone by Reg Black. He is a director with the Broken Head River Community Foundation in Bozisher. And we're going to talk about the foundation, what it does, and about the 24-hour giving challenge that is happening on November 18th. Reg, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. So first of all, tell us a little bit about the Broken Head River Community Foundation, just sort of in general, what does the foundation do? How did it all get started? Uh, the foundation started about the year 2000. There was a local group of individuals that felt that there was a need for the establishment of a foundation in our region. Uh, it basically covers the town of Beaujolais, the villages of Tyndall and Garson, and the RM Broken Head, which is basically northeast of Winnipeg residential population of about 7,500 individuals is in that catchment area. The group then felt that there was a need for the establishment of this uh, foundation, and, and since then there's been a variety of, of people who have volunteered and carried on with it, and uh, here we are today, uh, you know, doing well, I think, and headed in the right direction. One of the great things about uh, about the community foundation movement and all the community foundations in Manitoba is that when you give to them, your money stays in the community. Can you share a couple of the recent grants that the Broken Head River Foundation has made? Just in the last year, we've uh, been able to uh, gift out for a number of different projects, and I'll give you, you know, a couple of those examples would be we helped out a local uh, kids center with some equipment that they were looking for. We gave some money to the uh, local playground because they were looking at redoing some equipment. There's a local organization called Daylily Gardens. Uh, They were looking at doing some improvements to their garden area and we were able to help assist with their funding. We also participated this year was kind of a unique year as you know with the Canada 150 with the Canadian Foundation, we were able to do some matching granting with them, and we were able to help out a couple of projects. One, uh, there's a new committee in our town that's called Active Living, and they designed and developed some trail systems within the town to make it easier for people to access uh, different parts of the town. And the other one was by our local uh, Air Cadet Squadron, who took it upon themselves to do an initiative uh, that raised 128 flags uh, on the entrance into town, Uh, for the entire year. In fact, they just came down on Sunday, but they were up for the entire year in remembrance of uh, each flag represented a a thousand uh, soldiers or military who have given their lives for Canada over the course of time. So uh, they raised 128 flags and it was quite the sight uh, coming into town that uh, a lot of people, I I hate to think how many pictures were taken, but there was lots, which is great. It was great tribute to our military and it was certainly a, a very nice welcoming into the town. That's great. Of course, that's all made possible through the gifts that uh, that donors make. And one of the best days to give is, of course, during the Endow Manitoba 24-Hour Giving Challenge, which is happening, if you're listening to the show on our usual Thursday time, it's happening in a couple days from now. If you're listening to our Saturday repeat, today is the day, November 18th. And uh, so tell us a little bit about the 24-Hour Giving Challenge and the uh, Broken Head River Foundation's participation in that. We've been an, an active participant, certainly in the last three years, more active. The 24-hour giving challenge allows uh, foundations to receive some additional funds, or as we like to say, we, we get our funds boosted, in particular from the Winnipeg Foundation, by 20 cents on the dollar 
This year, it's even further boosted by an additional 20 cents on the dollar by the province of Manitoba. And that's up to, uh, if every found, you know, if our foundation raised $10,000, we would get an additional $4,000 of funding that's, that's thrown into our kitty and, and benefits our community for forever, for the future. Our goal would be to try and raise a minimum of $10,000 so we can get take full advantage of the boosting. So it's a great opportunity for individuals to give. If I give $1,000, all of a sudden my donation becomes 1400 And so we've been trying to promote that and encourage you know, individuals, businesses, organizations to assist us with raising those funds on Saturday. And we're getting a great response so far, so I'm looking forward to it. November 18th is definitely the day to give if you've been thinking about making a gift to a Manitoba community. Oh, indeed. I mean, it's great what the people... Uh, you know, always need to remember that is every dollar you give, that dollar is never spent. You know, it's invested forever. All we're gifting back into the community is the interest that's earned on any uh, revenue that's been generated. So uh, we like to reference the fact that rather than it being a gift or donation to the foundation, we, we view it as an investment. You're investing in your community. So, uh, you know, if you want to invest in your community, what better day to do it on than on a day when you can instantaneously increase the impact by 40%. So, you know, I would have encouraged all individuals in the province to consider their foundations this coming Saturday. Absolutely. We love hearing about all the events that uh, Manitoba Community Foundations are doing to uh, to kind of celebrate the 24-hour giving challenge and promote that in their communities. And I understand the Brokenhead River Community Foundation has... Uh, a really great event happening on the Saturday, November 18th. Tell us a little more about it. We started this last year, and uh, basically we're we're trying to make uh, the Endow Day into, as you suggested, into more of an event day or more to draw awareness to the Foundation Day. And so we started last year with what's called a Win a Wine Cellar event. And basically how it works is is we ask for uh, individuals, uh, businesses, and or organizations to gift a bottle of wine or two or more if they so choose to the foundation and all gifted bottles are then accumulated and on that day we have an event at the local legion and in which we gather all the wine bottles that have been donated and we in turn raffle them off. i give you an example to last year we had 65 bottles that were donated. We sold raffle tickets that day and uh, the lucky winner was able to get an instant wine cellar. In other words, one winner got 65 bottles of wine. Through the course of that last year, just from the raffle alone, we raised just under $1,500. We're anticipating that to be even bigger and better this year because there was such a positive uh, response from it last year. A lot of people talking about it, uh, more activity on it this year. And as a foundation, too, we're making it more of an event where uh, some of the grant recipients who receive funding from us this year, we're encouraging them to attend, and they were asking them to do a you know three to four minute infomercial about what the, who their organization is and what they use the funding from the foundation for this year, so that the community can see what is going on, what the foundation has been doing, and how we've helped organizations in the area. And we've also been very lucky. We have a local artist. Her name is Tracy Kay. She's a well-known blues artist in the country, and she's an original resident from Beaujolais. She just recently moved back, and she and her partner, Jamie, uh, have offered to perform for us that evening at no cost to the foundation. 
So we're going to have some entertainment. We're going to have some speakers, and you get a chance to win some wine. So it's going to be a great event. That's wonderful, and uh, and what a great way to bring people together and uh, and really promote that spirit of giving and spirit of philanthropy in the community. And if people would like to learn more about the Broken Head River Community Foundation, where can they go to get more information? We're online. We have a website. You can first and foremostly you can go to indelmanitoba.ca on Saturday and, and make a, uh, a donation to the foundation by just selecting a foundation from the list of foundations there. And you can also, the Broken Head River Foundation also has a website and you can easily find us by just Googling us and we'll, we're up on the line too. So we're around. Thank you very much, Reg, for speaking with me today about the Broken Head River Community Foundation and about the 24-hour giving challenge. And we wish you all the best with the 24-hour giving challenge on Saturday, November 18th. Right on. Thank you very much. Looking, looking forward to it. Thanks, Robert, and thank you to Reg Black of the Broken Head River Community Foundation out of Beaujajour. The Broken Head River Community Foundation is one of the more than 50 community foundations that are in Manitoba taking part in the Endow Manitoba 24-Hour Giving Challenge that's being held Saturday, November 18th, all day from midnight to midnight. There's never been a better day to give to a Manitoba community foundation. As Reg mentioned, that's because on that day only, the Winnipeg Foundation and the province of Manitoba are actually stretching gifts to the Manitoba Community Foundation's unrestricted fund, each adding $1 for every $5 you give to a maximum stretch of $2,000 each. So that means if you give $5, it actually turns into $7, which is a 40% boost to your original gift. That's right, Nolan. So if you're from outside of Winnipeg originally, and maybe you want to give back to your home community, or perhaps you want to honor a loved one uh, who lives in one of the Manitoba communities uh, whose local foundations are taking part in the challenge, Saturday, November 18th is definitely the day to give. There are 55 community foundations in Manitoba, so from Flin Flon to Toulon, chances are there's one nearest you that supports a community that's close to your heart. And you can find all the entire list along with a, a map on uh, endowmanitoba.ca. There's also going to be an insert in the Winnipeg Free Press on Saturday, November 18th, so you can also check that out for more information. And uh, if you want to participate in the 24-hour giving challenge on Saturday, November 18th and support your local community, uh, here's how you can do that. As Robert mentioned, you can visit endowmanitoba.ca to give at any time during the 24-hour window. Uh, you You will get an electronic tax receipt immediately sent out to you as well. You can also give by phone. So if you're listening to our show on the day of the challenge, Saturday, November 18th, just give it a couple of minutes and at 9 a.m. you can call the Winnipeg Foundation 204-944-9474 to make a gift over the phone. And if you're outside the Winnipeg area, you can also call toll-free. So the toll-free number is 1-877-974-3600. 31. That's one 974 3631 And you can also contact your local community foundation to give by check. If you want to fill out a check, they have to be received by Saturday, November 18th. So checks uh, have to be made out to the Winnipeg Foundation. You can visit endowmanitoba.ca, like we mentioned, to find your local community foundation or for more information about the challenge. <music> Thank you. 
That's a wrap on this week's episode of River City 360. Thank you so much for tuning in today, and a huge thank you to all of our guests who joined us in studio and on the telephone. If you'd like to hear more views and news from around Winnipeg, listen to any of our past episodes, or subscribe to our podcast, you can visit our website at rivercity360.org. Again, that's rivercity360.org. River City 360, views and news from around Winnipeg, is a project of the Winnipeg Foundation in partnership with CJNU 93.7 FM. And we love hearing your feedback. Uh, if you recall, at the beginning of the show, we asked you to tell us what you're proud of in your community. What makes you proud to be a part of your community? We'd love to hear that. We'd love to hear any other comments you have about the program today. Or if you just want to request a song, say hi. We're doing a good job. We'd love to hear you. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. So the number to call is 204-944-9474, extension 360. Our listener line is open 24-7, so it doesn't matter if you're listening to the podcast. We'd still love to hear from you. Again, the phone number 204-944-9474, extension 360. You can hit us up on Twitter and Facebook as well by searching at RiverCity360 on Twitter and RiverCity360 on Facebook as well. I'm Nolan Bicknell, signing off for River City. 360. And I'm Robert Zirk. Thank you again so much for listening to the program today, and we'll see you next week. Have a great day and a great weekend. Mm-hmm.